Hey everybody, Steve here, one half of your hosts for Somebody Save Us, Revisiting Smallville, a podcast where we take a deep dive into each and every episode of the hit TV series, Smallville. I just wanted to let you know, uh, and I'm posting this about a week after the first episode has gone up, um, that uh, we have heard and we are aware of the sound quality issues in episode one and two. And I can tell you right now that things improve drastically by episode three. So if you can stick with us on those first two episodes, or if you want to skip them entirely and go to episode three, that is 100% your prerogative. We just want you to know that we are aware of these things. We are working on them and we are constantly trying to improve the podcast so that your enjoyment uh, and uh, our enjoyment in making it uh, are both at peak, peak, peak capacity. Uh, also want to give you guys a quick shout out because the reception so far has been um, far and away better than Paul and I ever anticipated. And so uh, for those of you uh, who are here, the early adopters, the old school and longtime fans of Smallville, and uh, people who just dropped in because they were curious, uh, big, big heartfelt thank yous from uh, both Paul and myself. And uh, so if this is your first listen to uh, episode one, without further ado, here's episode one, Pilot. Hey, and welcome to the first episode of Somebody Save Us. This is a podcast where week by week we are going to talk about the show Smallville, uh, episode by episode, and uh, I am Paul. I'm Steve. And this week we are talking about the pilot, uh, which was actually written by the uh, creators of the show, Al Go and Miles Miller. Um, which uh, they actually have nine writing credits on the series. Um, and actually the first two, uh, they have that uh, uh, um, credit, I guess. Um, and it's directed Wait, by... They only wrote nine episodes? Yeah, they only wrote, like they have writing credits on nine episodes. They developed for television every episode, but they only have nine writing credits on the series. That actually surprises me a lot. But okay, so cool. Seems really low, right? Um, it seems very low. Yeah. Um, and they've done a ton of other things, like before and after. Um, but uh, it's directed by David Nutter, uh, uh, kind of known for recently for Game of Thrones and the Pacific. And he's on The Flash and in the past did Sarah Connor Chronicles and Supernatural and a whole bunch of other stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, it originally aired on the 16th of October, 2001. Yeah. So uh, how are you doing tonight, Steve? Uh, I'm doing excellent. I'm really looking forward to getting this show going. And uh, it's going to be a long journey. So uh, I invite everybody to buckle up and, and come along for the ride. Do you, uh, I'm do you very interested to see because uh, i mean i remember watching smallville from beginning to end i'm very interested in this as we go through to see if i've ever missed an episode i will be blown away if there's an episode of smallville i haven't seen there's definitely going to be some episodes that you don't remember like i'll i'll say what's next week is and you'll be like i don't remember that at all uh, yeah but once we once i actually start watching it i'll be like oh yeah okay 
Right, but right. Some, some of the specifics for sure have like faded from this old and weathered mind. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I mean, for the most part, like visually, I remember things very well. So as soon as we get into episodes and watching them, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this, or or like roll my eyes and go, okay, here we go. But, yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, the act- the show actually opens kind of ominously as uh, we're kind of in space and there's a bunch of meteor chunks uh, kind of passing over the moon, heading toward the Earth. Um, and uh, and then we cut kind of to uh, a field in Smallville. Uh, we actually see on the uh, on the Smallville sign that it is the creamed corn capital of the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the Ross Farm corn farmers. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we're we're watching as a helicopter is flying overhead. Uh, we get introduced uh, to the first time for the first time to Lex and his father Lionel. The Luther. Uh, wonderful, wonderful Easter egg. Uh, uh, Lionel is reading on the newspaper. The headline on the newspaper says uh, CEO of Queen Court uh, missing. Uh, which is a nice uh, nod to any DC fan out there. The rule knows that the, the Queen Corporation is Oliver Queen's company, uh, who is uh, secrets, spoilers, the Green Arrow. And uh, and Lex is a is a is a ginger boy. <laughs> yeah, uh, Lionel's. That, that is part of the comics. Red is a natural. Uh, Lex is a natural redhead. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I mean, I, I guess I, sh- I do know that, but it was just kind of buried in my mind. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, he's basically uh, Lionel's kind of coming down on Lex a little bit about not being afraid. That kind of the Luthers uh, don't don't roll that way. <laughs> and. You know, I told- I was going to say, and I was um, like, you can tell, like, it's a really great setup for Lex, the way his dad treats him, because it, as the series goes on, you'll totally understand why Lex is the way he is. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of, I think that comes down to why Lex is the character he is in the show, is because there's a ton of building up and tearing down that happens. Yeah, there's a lot of psychological abuse going on. Like a lot. <laughs> yeah, a crazy amount, as we'll, as we'll see. Um, we kind of cut into town, um, and we see uh, Jonathan and Martha Kent coming into uh, a shop, um, and uh, we see a little girl sitting at a table coloring, um, kind of dressed as a princess, and we find out that this is Lana. Uh, which... Now they break from canon because I, I don't. Apparently, you can't have two redheads in the same show. It must. I think it's a Hollywood yeah. Union rule because Lana actually <laughs> is a redhead in the comics. But yeah. I'm okay because again, I have a deep affection for Kristen Crook. Yeah. And and, and uh, so we have like a little bit of a uh, a little bit of cattiness come from Nell, who uh, uh, Martha ask for a kind of flower i can't remember what it is at this point and uh she makes some kind of dig about it being oh such a simple choice 
Um, uh, yeah. Something about lilies, right? Yeah, yeah. Arthur's favorite are lilies or something, and or it's the other way around, and Nell wants to give her something else. You're right. Uh, so we cut again, like kind of, we kind of, as they're, uh, as they're getting into the truck, uh, Martha's kind of just pining after the idea of having a kid and her and Jonathan kind of share a quiet moment. And, uh, we cut kind of back into, uh, back over to the Ross farm. We see Lionel in the background, but we see Lex wander into the cornfield following kind of a voice that he's hearing. And uh, well, I guess this is going back into the town part of it. One of the things that Smallville does, because, and I'm going to knock this a lot over the, Smallville is not known for its subtlety. No. <laughs> the show is, no. I mean, if, if you're a big fan of shows that like hinted things and like, oh, there was something hiding in the background and, and this means that, and then this led to that. Uh, Smallville is not like that. So when we go into town, the entire color palette is red and yellow. And eventually they start adding blue. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> because why not everyone should dress like superman at this point <laughs> right right yeah the crows the crows uh their colors are are uh red and yellow uh which i mean i guess in like a long term deal it kind of makes sense as those colors would later on be ingrained in clark's mind uh right. you know so when he does make that final leap like no pun intended uh that that he would be like oh i'm gonna use these colors because it's like my football team it's my hometown it's kansas it's, so i guess it kind of makes sense but like there's a lot of red and yellow in this show and i notice it more and more as it goes on yeah well i mean it, we haven't gotten to the days of clark literally wearing a blue jacket with a red shirt <laughs> like <laughs> basically and no it's and he's got a red backpack on to like symbolize the cape somehow so right right but yeah so we uh when lex is walking through this cornfield he starts to get a little bit freaked out um and he comes across somebody basically crucified on a on a, a like like hung up like a scarecrow uh, and he's got an s painted on his chest and he's just asked for help and lex kind of freaks um, and kind of right at that instant, the first meteor uh, hits, and we uh, we see Lex getting blown to the ground along with uh, you assume this guy being obliterated. Which is um, uh, a couple things here. Number one, they haven't aged well, but at the time, the special effects for TV, this was amazing. Um. Yeah. I guess we'll get to the second thing when we actually get there. But uh, I, I will say watching this now on a screen size and in a resolution, it was never intended to be seen. Uh, there are so many, like you can actually see the special effects overlays. You can see like a dot <laughs> matrix. So, like, wow, this is, I kind of understand why they can't bring this out in high res. Cause they would have to like, like really get in there and digitally remaster a lot of things. Um, so how I've been watching it is uh, the DVD player I have isn't a great one, but it's uh, it's it's kind of uh, I've got it hooked up to display four by three HD. Um, but yeah, like you said, like the effects are very obvious. 
Um, I mean, it's a TV budget and TV budgets at this time, it wasn't quite peak TV time. And so some of these episodes, while probably still having a decent budget, um, weren't spending uh, big on the special effects. Exactly. And you'll see that as it goes. Um, I will like kind of big props to them. And it's something DC TV kind of continues to this day. Um, Mm. But the practical effects work is really excellent. Like they love their pyro. Oh yeah. And they (laughs) throw their stuntmen around. They don't give a fuck. (laughs) Like people are just awesome. And so we're seeing chaos kind of, uh, we're not quite seeing chaos in town yet, but we cut back to town and we see Lana's parents pull up in a car and they're kind of waving to her and then they literally get fucking hit by a goddamn meteor right in front of her. (laughs) I'm sorry to laugh, I'm sure it's traumatizing, but (laughs) what a Uh, an asteroid literally landed on your fucking face. Like, what a Right, and it's the setup of it where it's just this happy like the the five seconds you see of them sets them up to be the perfect family, and they turn and it's a big smile and wave, and then boom. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now's like look, look, pointing to them, and then they just get taken right out. (laughs) Oh man, I don't mean to laugh, but Jesus, that's like. the water tower explode, vehicles explode, the sign. I will say this, um, from a plot point going on from now until like at least the first four, five, six seasons, it is really such a smart setup from the show's creators to like rain down meteors on this uh, town, not just because of who it's bringing, but because of how important the meteor rocks become to almost every plot of every show from now on. Yeah. So I mean, it, they cover, oh, it seems like all of Kansas in these rocks. So it gives them an easy excuse to come up with things. Oh yeah, exactly. Like it, it, it's basically just like the, what is the solution? What is the solution to this problem? Meteor rock. What caused this? Meteor rock. Why does this person have these weird powers? Meteor rock. Exactly. I think will we call it will we call it Meteor Rock until it's revealed to be Kryptonite, and then we'll start calling it Kryptonite. <laughs> or I, I, I mean, it's Kryptonite. Like if you, I don't I'm spoilers, folks. I'm sorry if you don't recognize the Green Rock as Superman's biggest, you know, like, uh, a crutch or uh, it. Like he's gonna. I see no reason to hide. <laughs> what hasn't been a mystery for I was yeah. going to say 20 years but let's go back to the comic maybe 100 years <laughs> like, yeah yeah so um, we kind of uh, we see uh, like I said we see uh, Jonathan and Martha kind of driving out of town and a meteor hits nearby and they kind of drive into this uh, this kind of cloud and we hear the truck crashing, but we don't actually see it right now. We actually cut back to the cornfield out at the Rosses, flattened, and Lionel looking everywhere for Lex. And the first thing he finds is kind of just a tuft of hair. Yes. 
And then we find, and then he finds Lex kind of laying in like a fetal position, just looking like catatonic, mostly bald. And he has the, like, uh, the look that Lionel gives Lex of just absolute disgust. Like yeah. he goes kind of like, like seems legitimately worried about his kid to seeing that his kid is alive and not celebrating it, but now bald. And he's just disgusting. Like it's just for a fraction of a second, but it's like, man. Yeah. Really, really in that second kind of defines Lionel who uh, from this point forward will have those long curly locks, which has to be a point of contention for Lex. Oh yeah. Yeah. He just grows his hair out. He's like, Hey son. So, uh, you know, <laughs> sorry about your luck. He probably like he probably does like those those shampoo commercial head shakes. <laughs> like see Alex, and then he just shakes his head. Maybe he's born with it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so uh, we do cut back over to the Kent truck upside down, and it's not the last time the Kent truck's going to be upside down. I tell you what. I can't even imagine. <laughs> uh, and so as they're kind of there, we, we see the kind of feet of a child walk up and kind of uh, a kind of naked Clark kind of crouches down. Um, and just from time frame wise, we kind of can surmise based on the ages of other people that he's about three years old. So he's not a baby. He's like a three-year-old when they find him. Like, like, like an infant or a toddler. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I this scene I kind of really like. I mean, there's not maybe there's really not a lot of ways you can redo this imagery, no. but this is very close visually, to like the 1978 Richard Donner Christopher Reeves sequence when Clark right. falls to Earth. And I I can't think that it's not a direct homage to that. It's it's got to be like the way the kind of you've got kind of the ditch that leads to the crater where they discover the ship and yeah, they, uh, and they the down or kind of crouches down to look into the top. Like, yeah. Very, very yeah. And so they kind of, they figure out that he's not exactly from Kansas. Um, and uh, Martha makes some kind of remark about they can't, you know, they can't leave him there. Um, and that um, he found them and not the other way around. Yeah, a gift from heaven, I guess. He fell from the sky. He quite literally fell from the sky. And it's the first kind of hint or little close-up we get of the ship, which will eventually change design. But I, in re-watching it, this, and you only get a couple glimpses of the original design. But I kind of like this one better than the one that I remember. Well, don't, is this is the one that we see in this first scene the same one that uh, that kind of going forward in the episode a bit? Uh, Jonathan reveals in the storm cellar. Is it the same one or is it yeah. not? It looks a lot more alien. It's almost like an acorn or something, right? Uh, which is like further on in the series. Um, and do me a favor, and anybody who's listening to this, go ahead and leave us a message on Anchor or on our Twitter or whatever. If we start going too far ahead and you want us to like not talk about future events, let us know and we'll stop. But yeah. for now, we're just winging it and we're going to kind of do things the way we do until we start getting feedback. Um, yeah. yeah. But 
the future, they kind of changed the ship to a diamond shape. Like, it's a lot more Hollywood UFO spaceship kind of thing. And I kind of like the weird alien acorn. Yeah, it, they kind of they kind of go from what it is here, like the a- acorn shape, to sort of almost Superman crest shape. Because that it is going to dominate things again. Smallville, not subtle. Diamond's going to be everywhere pretty soon, and no one's ever going to connect Superman with what's going on in Smallville for some reason. Oh yeah. So, um, but from this point basically it kind of zooms out and i can't remember if it actually played the theme song at this point or whether it just sort of went to kind of today are you are we talking about like the theme song that our show is named after our namesake like the- yeah yeah i don't think they play it in the first episode though so i believe the name of the song is actually save us by a band called remy zero which i i think is defunct I'm pretty sure they broke up not very long after Smallville came out, to be completely honest, because it was the only thing they were known for, and I think they kind of resented it. Um, After a while, I mean, you'd... I don't remember either, because I remember it coming in at the beginning of the second episode and thinking, did that play during the beginning of the first? Yeah, well, um, I guess we'll never know. (laughs) No, there's no way to know now. Impossible. We we have we have two hundred and sixteen more episodes to go, so we definitely don't have time to go back. No, no, <laughs> going back is for losers, Lex. <laughs> All right, so we cut to present day and uh, kind of Clark uh, getting ready for for school, and uh, he's kind of looking at this permission slip to. Uh, join the football team uh, for tryouts and stuff. And uh, Jonathan, not so keen on that. Uh, no, and that will that will kind of be a theme a little for for quite a while, actually. Uh, both people's hearts are in the right place, I think, here. I like the way they set up Clark almost immediately as an outsider. Yeah. Uh, like just just a guy who's yearning to fit in, who wants to be part of everybody else. But is not. He's extraordinary, but also because he's extraordinary at this point, he's kind of dangerous, and his existence is kind of da- not dangerous to everybody else, but to himself and to the people he loves around him. So it really does set up the reasoning for why Superman needs Clark Kent in the future. Yeah, and we kind of we we kind of get right away that he, um, you know, just. He's trying to fit in, uh, and and uh, as he kind of this kind of partly this argument that he that he this short argument he gets into, uh, he gets outside uh, and he's got his he's got his backpack and he's he's got a skateboard in his backpack and it totally does not fit, is not in keeping with his character at all because I swear to you he never once ever in the series of in the course of the show gets on that skateboard and I don't think we ever see it again. <laughs> you probably never see it again and i don't think i've ever seen him on a skateboard either <laughs> but this is i can see the whole thing is be like clark oh my god now it's reminding me of that fucking gif of steve buscemi <laughs> because clark is supposed to be like 15 at this point, but he's being played by a 25 year old oh well 
And they're just like, give him a skateboard, make him look younger. Yeah, yeah, totally fails. Uh, and so we see, we see the in, on the interior of the bus, uh, Chloe has lost a bet uh, that Pete has, has bet against his own friend, and uh, there's uh, some cash exchanges hands. Um, and uh, that's pretty funny. Um, but we then see Clark kind of running along the uh, kind of the cornfields. And I think that's kind of, again, an homage to the Richard Donner film where uh, the is yeah, running along the train and stuff. Or is that, yeah. or is that the heritage moment? The, the heritage moment. <laughs> no, not the heritage moment. Um, uh, no, that is, I, I, it is in the Dick Donner cut. And I think it shows up again in like uh, part three. Um and uh, that O'Toole, uh, uh, as you called out in episode zero of the podcast, uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that is a direct homage because uh, it's almost the exact same scenario. It's done differently, but it's hard not to draw the parallels. Yeah, and so like at one point the bus is stopped and they hear kind of a thudding noise. For some reason, Clark has decided to actually cross on top of the bus on his way to school. Like, not yeah, that makes no, just over it. Thud, thud, thud. Like, for yeah, for a guy who needs to keep his secret secret, <laughs> he does very weird things a lot of the time. Yeah, just I, I will call out a lot of times where it's like, you know what? Was literally no one looking at this point because you just chucked a door across a room or like just weird stuff with school where he's like when do you go to class clark like what are you doing yeah yeah well and i i don't think any of them actually go to class <laughs> but we eventually like when we start breaking down chloe's character she can't have enough time in the day there's no way <laughs> no yeah but yeah so we get we get to the uh the the front of the school and uh and uh Clark actually runs into Chloe and Pete and uh, they're like, how did you, you missed the bus. How did you get here? Like so quickly. And he just doesn't, he says he took a shortcut. A shortcut. That's it. Yep. Yeah. That's all I'm offering. But the weirdest thing here is he's wearing his backpack, right? But he's carrying a pile of books. Why? Why are you <laughs> carrying a pile of books? I will say that I've probably been in that situation where like I've got, everything and like is this no i was gonna say is this the first day of school it might be because it's homecoming right right but i don't think i don't think that's the the first day of school no, i don't really know i don't know how i don't know how american school works i just i don't i mean that's fair but but the whole thing is like because the um the scarecrow prank thing right getting like a brand new freshman right right so right not be there anyway doesn't matter if it's the first day of school or not i can see his book bag backpack whatever you want to call it being full and having to carry additional books on the side plus he's got that skateboard that he's never going to use right right and so i kind of kind of as a way to kind of deflect a suspicion off of chloe and uh from chloe and pete he kind of notices lana and starts walking toward her and then like like, he, like as he's walking toward them, they make another bet. Like they've got a gambling problem. 
And so uh, as he's kind of walking, they kind of make a countdown. And at like the count of two, he trips and drops his books everywhere. Um, it kind of this is another great like character setup thing and like series justification moment where it's like, well, the reason so many people see Clark as a nerd and a loser is because he's like these uncoordinated weird things. Because at this point, we don't know where the meteor rock is, with the exception of it being around Lana's neck. Yeah, well, the necklace is. We do notice the necklace right away, but it's like it's. You could, I guess, maybe on the very first viewing, not realize. Yes. Most of the time when there's like a meteor rock around, it makes the noise. Oh, that's true too. But do they not do, right before he trips, do they not do like a close-up of it and it glows for a second? Uh, I don't think so. I think he trips before Lana approaches him, right? Um, And then she... but that's all like within 10 feet. Like he gets close to her and then the rock makes him sick. And that's why he trips. It's the coordination is he gets the baby makes him sick. So he falls. So that's kind of the, the, the excuse as to why a six foot two dark haired, blue eyed, gorgeous God of a man is somehow a nerd in high school. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then also, uh, like, kind of right before Clark walked away, actually, they talk about uh, why they were planning on uh, trying out for football. It's mostly to try to avoid being hazed. Because if they're on the team, then they're not going to be the Scarecrow. Or at least Pete yes. that way. Um, but Lana, actually, while helping Clark pick up all those books, notices that he's got that Nietzsche uh, book um, and kind of asks, literally asks the question, man or Superman? Yeah, what are you, Clark? Man or Superman? Uh, which, again, not subtle, but I actually love it. I that line has stuck with me forever since the first time I saw it. I was like, all right, a little heavy-handed, but I like it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, as but kind of Whitney shows up, uh, Lana's boyfriend, and he kind of. Uh, kind of takes her and they kind of walk away and Clark fumbles his books again as, as they're kind of walking away. Um, and then we kind of cut to the inside of the school um, at the trophy case. And there's just some shady boy uh, standing there um, and he just smashes the trophy case and nobody and nobody's around. <laughs> Like not even one person. Like, hey, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> and he's before this, he's kind of looking at like uh, the team, um, a team photo, and uh, he says something to the effect of like, uh, like he's gonna get his revenge or something like that. The, don't they all payback? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but then we actually get our first scene of. Uh, current day Lex uh, rolling up to the fertilizer plant in uh, his Porsche. Now I'm trying to figure out if at the time of this, if that was a nice Porsche, because watching it now, I'm just like, wow, Lex, I would think would do better for himself. I think even, even then, even like in 2001, that would have been like a probably mid nineties model. So it was probably in kind of an intentional thing. Like it was, 
car, he's driving this car because this is the car he likes to drive. It's not even that it's, he needs to have the best one. Okay. Fair enough. That's a good way of looking at it. Cause I was looking at him like that to me, if I see someone driving that they're projecting the image of wealth instead of actually being wealthy. But right. if, if, I mean, if Lex is driving it because it's a classic like Porsche 911 with turbo, you know what I mean? Then, then I can respect that, actually. Yeah, and that's the thing is like I don't know enough about Porsche to, to be able to even detect what decade it's from, but it looks like something from the 90s. Yeah, I can, well, Porsche's body designs are pretty universal. Like there's, you know, certain lines that just really never change with them. So I can see, I'll, we'll, I'll, I'll default to your opinion and think that it's Lex choosing that because he's a man of refined taste and that's what he wants. But yeah, we see him get out of the car and he's kind of looks around a little bit. He's just kind of like, thanks dad. And uh, so uh, the next scene we actually cut to back over is to football practice and Clark is kind of sitting out over on the, uh, over on the bleachers um, and he has, he has like a daydream of of what it would be like. And Clark has a lot of daydreams in these early episodes that are kind of disturbing, <laughs> say the least. Some of them are weird. Um, but Clark is a little disturbing in, in these early episodes. I want to go like a kind of understandably because again he's an outsider and he's kind of. Um, forced into this solitude that he doesn't uh, like to break it is almost as dangerous as well, I was going to say staying in it, but I, I, you know, I, I kind of understand why Clark daydreams and yearns for things that, that normal people would have and to him are just kind of out of touch. Yeah. And so he has kind of like having no experience with these things too. also kind of just goes to like the maximum extent. So his like his gridiron glory is like super like uh, Hollywood style. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and so, it's like Clark imagining running through guys like on the field, like hitting guys, like he's not smashing the bones in their bodies. They just get they just get turned to Gibbs. I mean, like we know about concussions now, Clark. You just gave five guys CTE. That's it. <laughs> done. That's it. That's it. Uh, these guys, their careers are over. Before. Yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, we cut again to Lex, kind of speeding down the kind of uh, the country highway, kind of listening to some angsty tunes. Um, and Clark is just standing on this bridge, looking into the creek, and kind of knocking. I tried to look at that bridge. I don't see like a walkway or a sidewalk on it, so it's yeah. just a drive. That Clark decided I'm going to just stand on this bridge. Yeah, it looks. It doesn't look like it even has like a shoulder. He's just kind of hanging out. <laughs> so he's just standing on the road. Not only that, but Clark does not notice the bundle of wire fall off a passing truck, which definitely makes a sound. Well, yeah, you think about 200 pounds of metal would make some kind of noise. Yeah. Um, so Lex uh, pulls, pulls uh, looking at the T9 text he just uh, received <laughs> um, and uh, looking at his phone and looks up and loses control and we get the kind of 
the inciting incident, we see this kind of scene, maybe this actually becomes kind of a storyline later, but, um, we, uh, we see, uh, Lex hit Clark as the car goes off a bridge. Yeah. This image is like so iconic to the show that I believe it gets cut into the opening credits. I believe so. Yeah. Um, and I just want to say this is one of the most impressive stunts I've ever seen because they literally hit a dude with a car and (laughs) happens and it's not slow. Like, so I, I mean, I, I want to know how that stunt man's doing today. Cause I imagine he has a limp. Yeah. You got it. You got to think like it's savage. It's savage. It's a great stunt though. It looks fantastic. And yeah, and so uh, we kind of cut to underwater, and Clark bends the roof off like a like a lid off a tin can, and uh, kind of drags Lex to safety, safety and kind of uh, administers uh, like basic CPR, and and they do that thing where like Lex is laying there, and then just spits up like a gallon of water, and uh, and he kind of he's looking up, and he's like, I swear, I hate you. And Clark says, if you had hit me, we'd both be dead. Uh, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, we'd be dead. Um, yeah. And like you said, this moment will come back over and over and over again throughout the series. And it makes sense because it is the first time they're meeting. Right. Um, and it is kind of a really iconic scene. I, I, I remember when this show was announced, when it first came out, they were rewriting parts of Superman lore and Superman history. And I remember rolling my eyes going, oh, Clark and Lex went to school together, blah, blah. They never actually go to school together. But it was that kind of thing. Like, they live in the same town. That's so stupid. Clark Clark doesn't meet Lex. Clark doesn't ever meet Lex. Superman meets Lex when he moves to Metropolis, blah, 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 blah. But this is an excellent rewrite. Yeah. So damn well. Yeah, the thing the thing that I I've been trying to at least in these early episodes is trying to remember if we ever get like how old Lex is like is he older than twenty five is he slightly under twenty five like how old is yeah I was trying to think that too because well if Clark lands and we estimate three years old yeah like how old would how old was in the meteor like nine or ten. Right. And so he's Yeah. So he's gotta be at least early twenties. And you would assume that like Lex Luthor, there's no way Lionel Luthor doesn't send Lex to college. So Lex has at least done some college. I have to assume he's at least twenty two, early twenties, maybe mid twenties. Yeah, yeah. I don't think older than twenty five. I don't think older than twenty five. We'll get very weird because Lex is very flirty and the only <sighs> so yeah so uh kind of in the next scene though they're both wearing red blankets and like clark's kind of you get the kind of side profile and it almost looks like he's wearing the cape Uh, a little on the the nose there small bill and then and then paul kent is being a little shitty to lex like right away as soon as that happened i was like and well they go into the history of the kents and the luthers but i was just like you start your mind knowing how things unfold starts to kind of rewrite or, or at least ask questions. And you have to start to think 
had Jonathan Kent ever actually given Lex a chance and shown him any kind of sympathy, empathy, or affection, maybe Lex doesn't go the way Lex goes. Yeah, well, I mean, I think uh, it kind of goes back and forth, right? But yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's Paul Kent being Paul Kent. True, very true. And so uh, we kind of cut to nighttime. Clark is uh, creepily staring at Lana through his telescope. Um, and uh, Whitney shows up and there's a little bit of a conversation and uh, uh, kind of Whitney kind of not really disparages Clark, but like when Lana brings him up, uh, he kind of just kind of rolls his eyes a little bit. And we actually learned that the necklace is a shard from the one made from <laughs> the meteor that smashed her parents. <laughs> that is yeah is this from the one that actually hit your parents yeah because that's something you want to wear around your neck all day long yeah it's little. remember when someone shot your mom yeah that's why I wear the bullet around my neck like what that makes no sense all right so yeah in the in the next scene uh we see our shady boy again showing up at uh like a garage and there's a guy working on a truck and uh, he just, uh, you know, creeps up on this guy and he sort of, the guy rec- sort of recognizes him right before he gets basically palpatined. He just gets electrocuted. Uh, and uh, we, uh, we see this guy just basically take his first revenge, I guess. So weird things about this guy this specific like uh, villain of the week. And we're going to do villains of the week for a long time now because um, I don't remember when they start actually doing like seasonal arcs. Right. But it's not, it's not right away, no. but now almost every other villain in Smallville mm-hmm. is directly tied to something near them in the environment at the time. Yeah. Where did the electricity come from in the middle of a cornfield? So I think this comes into it a little bit later where they're talking about the fact that after the meteor shower, this guy was in a coma for years and was at just the, uh, the Smallville medical center, the hospital. And uh, one night during a lightning storm, uh, he, he just vanished, right? So he probably must have totally missed that then yeah yeah so uh, yeah so we cut from that scene uh to uh uh uh, clark coming down from the from the loft uh out out in front of the house and he sees that there's a brand new truck sitting there uh and he runs into martha right away and and asks where the keys are and uh, and yeah. What color is the truck? <laughs> uh, I believe it's red. I think it's red. Is it red in Smallville? In, Nobody drives a red truck in Smallville. Yeah, no, not not the Kents especially. <laughs> All right, keep going. Woof, woof. All right, but yeah, but uh, obviously because it came from the Luthers, uh, Paul Kent's not have it. <laughs> and that the money that bought that truck is dirty. And uh, he's just kind of really going to have Clark return the truck. Um, angry about this, kind of Clark just destroys the wood chipper with his arm. 
<laughs> Which is okay. So many things in this scene. Number one, uh, um, Jonathan being mad about Lex buying Clark a, a, a truck. Now I get that Jonathan might be like, "Oh, it's, you're not you're not supposed to take rewards for doing good things or, or not," but it's really just Lex apologizing for almost killing his kid. Yeah. So to me, it seems like that's a legitimate reason to give him a gift. And the dirty money excuse, I don't know, whatever. Let's just let your kid have a truck, man. Yeah, like, uh, and even Clark's even like, look, Dad, you drive the new one. I'll take the old one. Win-win. Just let him have a car so he doesn't have to run at super speed and risk getting caught the next time he misses the bus, which apparently happens a lot because he doesn't have his own truck. Yeah, and he lives out of town. Yeah, it's so weird. It's the weird logic Jonathan has sometimes. Like, I get it, and he is really like the moral conscious of the show. But this one, I think, I think it was a miss on his part. Um, the wood chipper thing is one of my favorite moments in Smallville. (laughs) It just cost them so much money. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's fair too. I didn't really think about that. I just like the the idea that. Clark is hiding the extent of his powers even from his parents. That's how isolated he is at this point. Yeah. yeah. Now now he has to shock his dad awake. And I just love the pulling his arm out. Does that look normal to you? And not a scratch on it. Yes. After this, kind of Clark is kind of up moping in the uh, up in the in the loft and uh, Jonathan comes up and kind of, you know, it reveals this kind of weird kind of tablet that's got uh, like Kryptonian runes all over it. And Clark is kind of goofing about, you know, what, what, like, what am I like, like I'm an alien. I'm, I'm, I'm what do you have my ship in the attic? Yeah. And John uh, actually storm seller. So one question, Clark has been living on this farm for let's say 12 years. And he's never gone into the storm cellar and never found that ship. And no yeah, one. That's a, that's a good point because, like, he is a little. And he was a little kid growing up on this farm. He never explored the barn. <laughs> little kid? No, that's impossible. That's impossible. Number two, that he's surprised that he's not just a normal person. Like, <laughs> of rolling your eyes at maybe being an alien but that the thought never once crossed your mind yeah and of course like this is i think the first time in the episode where clark's been like god and just like storms out (laughs) he's a little temperamental yeah i just want a quick thing that i noticed when we're just i'm gonna backtrack for a second the gift of the truck the truck it came with a card and if you go back and you look at it, that card looks suspiciously handmade. And all I can <laughs> his desk, just doing some marks. Just some marks. Oh, I'm going to make this. And I'm going to put some sparkles on it. And I'm going to give it to Clark because he saved my life. He's making Clark a macaroni picture. Just a wonderful image. <laughs> um, uh, yes, Clark finally see for the first time the acorn. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, like, he, he, he storms out of there. Um, and then the next scene, we, uh, we see Lana, like, riding a horse through the graveyard <laughs> where Clark is. Clark, 
Clark kind of appears uh, and sort of behind him is like the um, like a gravestone with an angel. And so for a moment, it looks like Clark has angel wings. Amazing shot. Amazing shot. No, not again in any way subtle, Smallville. No. no. But that's a fantastic shot. I've always really loved it. And I, yeah, it's on the nose and it's a little like roll your eyes, maybe a little too unsubtle, but it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, they actually have kind of what would be, I guess, kind of a good character moment. Like they've never really been able to be around each other because at this point, uh, Lana has like lent Whitney the uh, the necklace, and so Clark is actually able to come up and talk to her. And she talks about how she comes and talks to her parents sometimes. And Clark talks about how he doesn't even know his birth parents, and uh, they kind of have like a just kind of a good character moment. Um, they uh, eventually end up back at Lana's. Um, and uh, when they say uh, goodbye, after having their kind of first real conversation, uh, Lana like kisses Clark on the cheek. And of course, Whitney is standing in the background like and sees this happen. Yeah, because like apparently on a Friday night in Smallville, everybody just hangs out at the cemetery. Yeah. Uh, which is, I mean, it's like the song. Why Lana is going there? Is there any explanation as to why Clark goes to the cemetery? Yeah, why? Why? Like, is it maybe like between their properties, like really close by? Like, like where? Do, like, because was with Clark's speed, he could be anywhere. Really, we don't really know where the cemetery plot is in like relation to the farm. We don't really get a lot of that stuff in the show. That's actually. Funny to get there yeah yeah i guess they walk back together just maybe walk or do they both ride the horse or who knows i mean like uh, when rewatching this when they walk up to the house i don't know what they did with the horse after right they sold it on the way home or ate it because it was such a long journey yeah, but when they get to the house, it is obvious that Whitney is standing on the porch. Yeah, it's he's no back the He's like one hundred percent there, and so like I don't understand. Lana's got no intention here. She's not even necessarily really flirting with Clark. She's just being nice. Yeah. Um, but that's just a bad move in every. In every way, shape, and form, just a bad decision on both their parts. One for Lana to actually kiss Clark because she saw her boyfriend. Don't think she didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and two for Clark to be like totally okay in, in taking the kiss because he also saw her boyfriend. He should have shook her Have a good night, miss. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, that scene is just, like, weird. It's like, so did they ride the horse back together? And if so, why didn't we get a, just, a, like, a really short little scene of, like, them kind of Clark sitting on the back of the horse and, like, Lana sitting in the front or, like, how how all that works? Like, I don't even know if we if the horse is stabled on Lana's property. Like, I don't even, I don't even think that's the case. Well, she does... I don't know if it's the next episode or the episode after that, but she is again with some horses. So, right. and she lives really close to the Kent farm. 
she's on Nell's farm. She lives on. So right. that has to be a farm. Maybe Nell does have a stable. It's like equestrian, equestrian shit. Yes. But yeah, so uh, in the next, uh, by kind of fast forwarding a little bit to the, the next scene, we're at like Luther Mansion. Uh, Clark is walking, walking into the, the mansion. There's a, still a lot of stuff covered like a lot of furniture covered in like the uh, like white cloth and stuff. And he like walks into a room and like into a fencing mash match where like, <laughs> like finishing a, like fencing and uh, kind of loses. Um, and he throws his foil into the wall right next to Clark's face. <laughs> like, Which it would have ended the series right there. Had he actually hit Clark because Clark would have been fine, and yeah. then that would have been it. Les would have been like, holy shit, you're an invincible alien. <laughs> yeah, and then Clark would have had to break his neck like a chicken. Um, what, like, that's a really huge, massive property. Yeah. Um, yeah spoiler alert, in about 10 years, it's going to become the uh, Queen household yeah. uh, in, the, in the Arrow series. Uh, it's a fantastic location. Yeah. But there has to be better places to fence than inside an office. Yeah. With like That's furniture. There's furniture all over the room. <laughs> yeah, it's just a weird choice. Maybe it didn't start like a swashbuckling thing where they started in like the main hall and they were like, oh, up like stairs and like across railings and I love that idea. Like swinging on chandeliers and shit. It, Clark just happened to show up at, at the end. Right. That's it. I've totally just re-edited my head cannon. That actually happened. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so after this happens, kind of Lex kind of gets gets the message. You know, like Clark returns the truck and and uh, but kind of before that, Lex talks about how uh, Lionel had the mansion shipped stone by stone from Scotland, which seems very extravagant. Like. <laughs> Like, yeah, like they will never ever exhibit that amount of wealth on the show. No, no like, like, I think they're billionaires, even. Yeah, yeah. So, so, but uh, before Clark leaves, Lex asks Clark if uh, if a man can fly. Which, one more nod to the, and I don't. I think they kind of stop it after the pilot episode. But it is another direct nod to the Richard Donner, Christopher Reeves film, whose poster yeah. tag is "You will believe a man can fly" uh, yeah. when it was in theaters in like 1978, 79. Uh, but Alex asks, 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 asks it like a question of Clarky. Clark, do you believe a man can fly? Yeah, and he talks about how, like, I guess when the when the accident happened, kind of the. Um, like right before Clark uh, resuscitated him, uh, he talks about how he was flying, like in uh, in his kind of unconscious state, uh, uh, and his after his heart had stopped after the crash, uh, and he talks about a future and, of course, their friendship. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, out of experience, kind of rebirth moment, um, which I mean, if that were Clark. Yeah, I saved you. Clark's at this point got real, really no reason to be Lex's friend other than he tried to buy him a truck. Um, 
But if I ever like meet someone, regardless of circumstances, if they ask me if I think someone can fly, and my answer is no, and they like start reciting a weird, deranged soliloquy, that's probably the last time I see them. Yeah. yeah. It's like, all right, bye. Bye. All right. Don't need it. We're good. Stay uh, around town, mate. So, yeah, uh, I know where you live. Uh, you know where I live. Uh, bye. Yeah. Yeah. So, in one- so in the next scene, we see kind of a uh, like a, an ambulance and another jock being loaded into ambulance. I can't tell if this guy's dead. I believe he is. Um, and uh, there's a kind of a crowd standing around. And the Chloe notices this dude and thinks he kind of looks suspicious. And then we literally smash cut to her finding out him in the yearbook from like 12 years prior. Like, like a bloodhound. She is like, she, the world's greatest detective. Like, fuck Batman. Oh, yeah, absolutely. She, Chloe needs nothing to know that you're guilty of something. <laughs> yeah. It's the way, like, Chloe just picks it out of the air, man. It, she's gifted. So this is actually the scene where we find out about the lightning storm um, and how he vanished from the hospital. Uh, and, and then uh, we learn that his name is Jeremy. Uh, and Chloe unveils the wall of weird here as well. Conspiracy. The wall of weird, which is now when Jonathan earlier showed the ship to Clark, he had his own little wall of weird. Yeah, kind of. He had uh, like stuff about like the meteor shower all over the place. Yeah. And Clark doesn't bat an eye. Chloe no. reveals her wall of weird, and Clark's like, My friend has mental problems. That <laughs> <laughs> so, friend is insane. Yeah. And to be fair, uh, again, reminds you of another meme or another gif on the internet of um, is it Charlie Day from Always Sunny? <laughs> 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 like Madman and the red yarn kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly the same thing. Yeah, she's basically uh, she's she's Charlie Day. She's Charlie Day in it. Yes. So um, after this scene, Clark walks out and runs into Whitney in the hallway, and Whitney has decided, guess who's Scarecrow? Um, and Clark tries to fight back, but he can't because necklace. Yeah, when he actually puts it on Clark, which talk about like a, attempted murder. Yeah, because like Clark couldn't even get within ten feet of it. Now he's wearing it. Yeah, um, which I mean, it's just again pretty smart writing because there's no other way Whitney's overpowering Clark and dragging him to. Yeah, no. Uh, the next scene we actually see is uh, is Clark in the cornfield strung up with the S on his chest. It's like probably the most iconic uh, like image. If you, if you Google Smallville, that is the first thing you see. Um, that is the image. Was, um, was it not like the cover art of one of the box sets? Uh, of- it is actually season one's uh, cover. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so we, uh, like it's that. And he's just kind of just jacked Scarecrow. <laughs> like, uh, Again, not so subtle imagery here uh, from Smallville. Obviously, the S on his chest makes sense. It's not the first time he's going to have an S on his chest uh, throughout the series. But they also dabble in what 
Zack Snyder took a lot of shit for in Man of Steel and uh, uh, Batman v Superman, but a little bit of Christ imagery in there as well. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, because he's sort of in a cruciform, right? Like it's. So uh, I don't think the show does it very often, but it's definitely doing it here. Yeah, and so uh, like they've they've left him there, um, and the uh, um, kind of Jeremy shows up and kind of talks to Clark and and uh, tells him how you know it never nothing ever changes, but he's uh, leaving for the dance because he uh, never got to go to his homecoming, um, but that Clark should stay there because it's safer here. So uh, as Jeremy's leaving, though Lex spots him and kind of has like a flashback of his own like holy crap that's is that the same guy that from like all those years ago right and uh clark's of course this uh gets lex out of his car and he hears clark and finds him and lets him go and uh clark just kind of tears the necklace off of him or i don't know if lex does or somehow the necklace ends up off clark um and he just yeah i think i think it falls off when Lex is pulling him down. Right. And, uh, and so, um, but uh, you know, these considerate jocks at least left Clark's clothes where he could find them, like literally right next to the, like in the corner there. <laughs> Were they folded? Were they like neatly folded? Up? Folded pile? Like, yeah, you would think, if the, like a hazing ritual, those clothes are being scattered down the highway as they drive to the cornfield. Like he's, he's like, Josh, I swear to God, Marie Kondo method or else. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right, so, so yeah, we, um, we kind of cut to the dance itself and we see Chloe and Pete dancing and, and Whitney and Lana are dancing and they've, Clearly, uh, they've clearly been crowned as king and queen of homecoming, and uh, and uh, and so uh, we kind of cut outside to outside the school to. Uh, it's like in a like a service corridor. I think it's behind the school though, um, and uh, Jeremy's screwing around inside a panel, um, and it looks like he's planning on soaking and then frying everybody inside the gym. Uh, and Clark shows up kind of in kind of uh, silhouette. And he's like, I can't let you do that. Which, and I mean, like, I understand the revenge factor. Yeah. Know? Like, I understand going after the guys that did it to him. Right. But, like, you're about to fry an entire gym full of teenagers. Uh, that's, like, another level. That's, like, carry level. Yeah. High school revenge. And I mean, it is kind of very scary where it's like he's almost going, he's going after the institution of high school at this point. Yeah. Yeah. He's going after high school as a thing, not just certain people. Yes. Yeah. Because the, the high school, in his mind, I guess, bred that kind of cruelty. Right. So, yeah, we, we, uh, uh, we kind of see him just make with the zappy zap again. He kind of tries to electrocute Clark and Clark just chucks him, just throws him across the way, uh, kind of over the hood of a truck, um, which then somehow like hot wires by touching it. Before this happens though, 
It's the one thing where Clark's like, uh, uh, I can't let you do that. And the guy's like, um, um, there's no way you can stop me. And he turns to walk away. And as he turns around, Clark's already on the other side. Yeah, he's like, so use super speed. Yeah, they so they don't show the super speed, no. which is fine. Yeah. They do show it in a couple of episodes coming up, and it looks great once. Yeah. And then after that, it doesn't look so good anymore. But yeah. I do like that. It was just that, that bang, bang kind of thing. Yeah. Like, oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, he, Jer- Jer- Jeremy gets in the truck and kind of, he just runs the truck into Clark, hoping to run him over. And Clark just kind of, kind of hangs on and they eventually crash through a wall. Um, and there, there's a sprinkler going off. And then for some reason, uh, like Jeremy just electrocutes himself unconscious. Like, Thank God. You're not, you're, it wasn't just me confused about that. <laughs> Electricity guy electrocuted himself yeah unconscious like what what so the only thing i think is that the water grounded him yeah it must have i guess sapped all of his powers i guess like that's it doesn't make any sense that he's like electricity but as soon as i get electrocuted i'm done not only does it knock him out but when he wakes up he's got amnesia Amnesia in Smallville? Yeah, so Clark did miss the dance, uh, but as he's kind of walking out, he kind of gets a smirk on his face, and then uh, we see everybody walking out of the out of the gym and s- s- sniggering and laughing, and we cut over to a stack of pickup trucks. <laughs> like, like an- Which... I mean, to be fair, I kind of really enjoy when Clark gets petty. Yeah. He doesn't do it often. No. But what he does, it is deserved. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, It it is a little weird to me, though, that Clark himself doesn't really directly defeat the bad guy in this. Yeah, not really. I mean, he the, the bad guy defeats himself. Yeah, he just makes a bad decision, and then that's it. And Clark just kind of survives the encounter. Right. Yeah, he just kind of well, lucky me. Um, and we don't uh, really we don't really see this guy again uh, for a while. Does this one come back? Yeah, he does. Um, but yeah, again, I think what we should do, uh, like thinking about it is we should just kind of not uh, allude as much as we can, not allude to things that happen in the future. But this is one case where I think we'll just talk about, you know, he, this guy does come oh. back eventually. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Cause I don't necessarily remember him coming back. I'm sure when it happens, I'll be like, Oh yeah. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. I do remember the, and I'm not, won't go into like actual details, but the guy in the second episode, the baddie is actually right. very important. Oh yeah, he totally is. Yeah. So, but yeah, so so uh, we kind of cut. It's it's the barn, and uh, you know Paul Kent's there talking about up there with the with talking about the telescope, uh, and then kind of ask Clark if he's okay, kind of reiterating Martha's statement that they, uh, you know, he found them, and uh, uh, a couple minutes, a couple seconds later, it looks like Lana shows up. 
for a kind of saved dance and some sappy music playing. And then it kind of just kind of record scratch and he's just standing there by himself. He's just daydreaming this again, like so fucking creepy. Poor Clark. Well, I mean, like, it's, it's, it's fantasy. It's not necessarily like... <laughs> and let he who has never fantasized about... Or she, or he, or he, or she, or they... Be the first to cast a stone. No, no, no. Yeah, you're right, um, I guess. And Because it, it is harmless. For right. the most part, like, his... his his daydreams are harmless. It's the legitimate stalker mentality of observing through a telescope. Yeah, which he does hear again. Like, he hears the truck honking. Uh, that's kind of what snapped him out of it. Um, and he kind of looks as Lana is kind of waving to, uh, uh, you assume, Whitney in the truck uh, with a bunch of other people. Um, and as she's kind of walking up her steps, she kind of looks over her shoulder, like, almost in his direction but like not knowing that she's there and then some like some like music plays and we roll into the credits <laughs> and uh i want to say this is the first yeah of many and I'm, I'm very tempted to keep a running count of long sad forlorn looks across a room the person you can't have yeah or just like, yeah, like, yeah, like these moments where like they're just standing, staring at each other, people smoldering yeah. at each other while music plays. Exactly. I just wish that person knew, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, right. it's going to happen. It's going to happen a lot. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So that's, that's the end of the first episode. So, uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, that it, it really does sort of uh introduce characters that's sort of what the job of the episode is but the question is like how successful does it do that even like revisiting it um i think it does do that job fairly well i mean of course like some of the plot and story and the writing and stuff hasn't aged super well but again it's doing the job of starting this show out so what do you think yeah oh i think it's incredibly successful at uh, introducing you to the characters because you have all the mains in this episode, all of them. Everybody shows up. I mean, some longer than others, but everybody shows up. I can't have another like main character introduced that didn't show up in this in this episode uh, right. for, like a long time now. Um, it, it establishes all the boundaries. You know, it establishes rules. This is what Clark can do. This is. These are his limitations. Uh, this is, you know, why where he is established in his world, in his universe. It establishes all the people around him and their relationships to him while giving you an insight as to kind of how all the characters themselves act and are defined. Yeah. I think it's excellent. I, I still think it is, it's got to be top five of my favorite first TV shows of all time. Like, of pilot episodes. Like, it goes to me, for me, it's up there with, like, Lost. The first episode was incredible. Right. Um, Star Trek The Next Generation probably be on that list. 
Battlestar Galactica on that list. You know what I mean? Like, it, there's, right. a, there's a little upper tier echelon of shows that just out of the gate nailed what they were going to be, and Smallville is that. It, it very much the show doesn't deviate from what it is in this first episode. Yeah, I mean, they kind of set down the blueprint right away. Even with the, they sort of, exp- they don't really go into how uh, Jeremy got his powers, but it had to have been, you know, media related, of course, right? And all that. And so it does, it's it's a blueprint. Um, and then it, it's sort of a blueprint for, like we've said in episode zero, uh, uh, the entire Arrowverse and kind of superhero TV as it exists today. Yeah, and it really is. Um, cause you, you go, you can go back to pilot episodes of, uh, Arrow, the flash. Although, I mean, the flash kind of grows off of arrow, but his pilot episode does the exact same thing. Yeah. Uh, very, you know, it, and it's it just kind of nailed how to start one of these shows. They haven't quite yet mastered how to keep one of these shows interesting for the length of it. But, um, you could even go into... And I don't know when it came out, but it wasn't very much longer after Smallville, I don't think. Supernatural kind of borrows a lot of elements from Smallville. Well, um, like Supernatural, uh, uh, like if I remember correctly, uh, in season four, Lana's uh, love interest uh, is played by Jensen Ackles. Does show up on the show? Yes, yes, he and does. I think that was concurrent with like either season one or season two of Supernatural, and they kind of did it as sort of a we got to get this show that we've that we've started uh, some more viewers, and they th- they thought, well, we'll have Smallville and then Supernatural right after it, and they kind of aired in like Which a block. Is, do you remember what? on i want to say wednesday and then they moved it to thursday right by the end smallville was airing on fridays because of its ratings were dropping but um it did eventually get moved to fridays but i don't think i think supernatural supernatural eventually like kind of but i think by its third season had kind of eclipsed smallville in terms of ratings um which good for them i mean like i i haven't watched a ton of supernatural but I've seen enough episodes. Like there'd be like times I'd be watching Space Channel, and and uh, there'd be like a block of Supernatural on, or something like that. Um, Supernatural, I will say, for like the first right. five, six seasons, was phenomenal, fantastic show. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I do remember that it I began on. I'm, I was ninety nine percent sure that it started on a Wednesday. I remember they moved it to Thursday right. to try to compete with like must see TV and other networks and mm-hmm. the viewership hard. Yeah. Um, and then the move to Friday almost killed the show. Uh, it was very weird decision-making on their part because it well, was, yeah, I mean, at the time, yeah, there wasn't Wednesday anything night. to, uh, to so, putting it on any show on Thursdays. You're, you're coming up against a lot of, uh, even today, Thursday is a packed, day for tv um yeah uh this i guess would be normally the part of the show where we would take uh listener feedback or questions or concerns yeah or, or, what do you remember uh, what, even what do you remember about this episode or what do you remember about the next episode um which yeah yeah so 
give us if you would like to just give us some feedback, a couple sentences. What did you think of the pilot? What are your memories of it? Um, what do you think going into? We'll do. We'll revisit the last episode on the next episode, if that makes any sense. So we'll, when we start out, we'll go through your stuff about what you thought about the pilot. Um, so yeah, let us know any any insights, any thoughts, anything we didn't cover. Um, yeah, we want to absolutely. We yeah. do. We want to make you guys um, part of this. Uh, and then, so I guess that leads us to um, uh, Paul. Why don't you tell everybody well, what's on the next episode of Smallville? Uh, is Lana fated to a cocoon of doom? A nerdish, <laughs> a nerdish bug collector is transformed into a monster by the irradiated bugs of Smallville, and he wants Lana for his bug world queen. <laughs> oh my that's god, that's a horrible write-up. Uh, episode, the season one episode guide, like the little booklet that comes with the thing, um, which sort of differs quite a bit from what we have on like either Amazon Video or on IMDb, where it says bug lover Greg has an uh, accident involving meteor rocks and his own insect collection, giving him creepy insect characteristics and powers. Lana's endangered when Greg decides that she is the perfect mate to start a colony, which (laughs) (laughs) make a ton of sense. You totally dropped out that last five seconds. So so I I missed your Amazon write out or or read up. Um, But I, I mean, God damn, that was, the official Smallville plot synopsis of episode two is horribly bad. <laughs> um, uh, they, they, they buckle up because some of them are worse. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, I, I have no doubt in my mind, actually. Um, so I but think yeah. that's it. Uh, yeah. Until the next episode, I'm Steve. I'm Paul. And somebody save us.